Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's America's Heroes Group Roundtable, this time with Partner Community Healthcare Outreach with Dr. Delon Canterbury. Today is Saturday, October 2nd, 2021. October is National Breast Cancer and Domestic Violence Awareness Month. I'm Sean Claiborne, National Guard veteran, Army Illinois National Guard. The host is Cliff Kelly. Executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. Today we have a panelist. Once, once uh, you get to know him, I think you're going to get some good information from him. He has a lot to talk about. Is Dr. Delon Canterbury, a PharmD, board-certified geriatric pharmacist and president and CEO of Geriat RX Incorporated. Geriat RX Incorporated. He's going to talk about the power of de-prescribing. Uh, prescribing. Are you there, Mr. Canterbury? Hey, I'm here. Hope you're doing well. Pretty well. Pretty good. So last year, Americans spent $539 billion on medications and prescription drugs, 80% of which are brand name. Okay. So mm-hmm. uh, tell us about de-prescribing and what that is and what is your mission and what do you want us to know about what's going on? Oh, for sure. So, you know, I thank you for the warm intro, for having me. Of course, again, uh, I am a trained geriatric pharmacist. And something I tend to find in my senior patients are those suffering from unnecessary side effects, people that are taking medications that they no longer really need. And we tend to forget that there is a timeline when you start a prescription and when you should stop needs to be addressed, if not quarterly, with your doctor. And so I started Geriatrics as a medication consulting company where we help families safely get off of harmful medications that can honestly put them right back in the hospital. So that's the power of de-prescribing. It's a way of slowly and sometimes quickly uh, using evidence-based science to wean people off of meds that are no longer really appropriate. And it's unfortunately a a huge problem since we have overprescribing fairly rampant in this country today. Why do we have overprescribing in this country? What is causing the push for medicine? So people will say, oh, it's because people want to get make money and blah, blah, blah. What's the, what, in your eyes, what's the real reason? Break it down beyond just the, the generic sure. answer. Yeah, you know, there are multiple reasons, to be honest with you. And, you know, it doesn't quite always fall on the provider. We in our country, we like things fast. We like things now. We want to get answers quickly. And so providers are put in a rock and a hard place where, they're balancing customer service and what's best for the patient. And so sometimes when you go in and you're feeling moody, you kind of want a quick answer, right? You want a quick solution. And so prescribing is generally the solution. However, we don't do enough of a good job in our healthcare system 
looking for preventative measures, looking for lifestyle changes, looking for ways to address diet, exercise, and other things people can do to, you know, honestly not need a pill. But that's the problem. We don't want to put the work in as patients sometimes as well. And so when you go into an office, there's an, an urgent state of, hey, doc, I need something. What can you do? And so there are doctors who believe in the beauty of preventative health, but they don't want to get dinged because, you know, that doctor didn't care for me. He didn't care about what I had to say. And so he just told me to meditate and woosa. And that can be, you know, annoying for a patient. And mm. so they're in a rock and a hard place. Not to mention, even though, you know, there is sometimes, you know, a monetary uh, incentive for people to just prescribe something, the truth of the matter is our healthcare system's broken and doctors are, are overloaded with many tasks behind the scenes. And so to take the time and actually start talking about what can we do to get you off of things, there's, there's, there are differences in specialties, there are differences in priorities. So they're just really a multiple layers of barriers to de-prescribing that we see today. So it sounds like really it's more like the path of least resistance more so than, okay, I'm just I'm, yeah. I'm making a quick buck here. I'm going to prescribe this medication, which is a general can, general thought most people have is, oh, there's, it's a huge mm-hmm. multi-billion dollar pharma industry out there that's trying to just push pills to, to the public. But a lot of it has falls on our shoulders because we're not doing the things we should be doing or maybe being receptive to doing the things we should be doing when a doctor mm-hmm. might say, hey, maybe we should cut out, you know, eating the Harold's chicken or whatever and go back to eating yeah. more greens and, you know. <laughs> And vegetables right. and stuff like that. So how? So that being mm-hmm. said, if somebody so first question before I get into this other part, but first question is so what are the main um, health issues that people see? My my guess is you see a lot of medications with pertaining to cardiovascular health and the heart and things like that. Is that the, is that one of the mm-hmm. main areas where you see a lot of pills being prescribed for things like that of those of those kinds? I mean, to be honest, it's it's everything. So it so that's that's something that we kind of underestimate is you there are certain conditions that will make you more likely to be on a bunch of meds right so like kidney failure diabetes you know having high cholesterol or heart attack stroke stuff like that they're going to put you on some certain things to keep you in in line um but honestly the problem is it's multifold that's the thing when you're older you tend to have more than one chronic issue right you're going to have maybe two or three on average and so depending on what combination you get, you know, that can really dictate how many pills you're probably going to be likely to have on average, um, especially when we're talking about kidney disease and heart failure, like you mentioned. But it could be as simple as, you know, you having pain. And so you've been on chronic opioids for 20 years since your back was thrown out at your job. And you're finding that your pills work less and less as time goes on. Mm. And that can still put you in a situation where, you may have problems with insomnia and you take another medication for insomnia. And so there are meds with a combo between insomnia and the pains. And that's mind you, just two conditions. You can have a fourfold risk of overdosing and potentially having uh, a respiratory failure because uh, a combo of certain sleep meds and painkillers can cause people to overdose. So that's the harm that really we have to use more of our pharmacists to assess because it could be as simple as an ankle sprain or I mean I even had a patient who had pain chronic pain after a hip surgery and had um, you know a heart attack and so she took aspirin for her for her foot her hip injury excuse me and she took aspirin for her heart 
And we didn't realize, at least the medical team didn't realize while she was inpatient what was wrong. They finally found out that she was basically on dialysis because Mm. she had too much aspirin. She had too much aspirin. So she almost died. And during COVID, literally because of taking aspirin over the counter and aspirin for her heart, you know, aspirin like BC goodies powder or whatever. So again, it could be us. It could be just one thing. And that's the problem is the, the word that really comes up a lot is what's called polypharmacy. And it is basically the practice of using sometimes different prescribers who write different scripts and don't, they don't quite talk to each other. The different doctors don't tell each other what they're writing. And then sometimes there are patients who use things over the counter or herbal supplements and they combine them with meds and there isn't anyone doing a full check because the system is just so leaky. It's just Mm -hmm. so fragmented. So polypharmacy especially can contribute to people being over-medicated. And I mean, it could be people using different pharmacies, different doctors. But the point is, people who are taking more than five medications on average have a high risk of having drug interactions and a high risk of having adverse side effects. So five is a magic number. If you're over taking more than five medications, you need to be careful and talk to your doctor. But then on top of yeah. that, shouldn't doctors also be asking you, hey, what medications are you on? So that way, or do you take any over-the-counter medications? So that way they, they know up front if mm-hmm. they have a risk of over-prescribing. Again, that's in an ideal world. And, you know, for the same reasons I mentioned earlier, they barely have time to meet all their checklists in that 20-minute meeting with you and the doc where you've already waited an hour in the lobby before you see them. you got a medical assistant who comes in and says, are you taking this? And they usually just ask one question, right? It's just mm-hmm. like, you know, are you taking these still? Yeah, nothing's changed. Okay, cool. And that's it. That's your med review. And mm-hmm. that's the problem is that we just don't incorporate pharmacists into that setting mm-hmm. where someone's just having a thorough conversation. I mean, it needs to be a 30 minute to an hour long conversation wow. to go through all those meds. And so only a few doctors I know specifically um, um, assign visits just to look at the medications. It's mm. generally lower on the problem list. They usually got other issues. The patient got stuff going on. There's a new thing here. And so a doctor has to choose what's important now And sometimes it's very difficult, again, for them to take that time to really assess the meds. But this is where pharmacists are taking the charge. And it's exactly why I started geriatrics, which is to not only support those doctors, but to support the patients. So they now have more trust in what they're taking and actually get better outcomes. Do we have a shortage of doctors? Should there be more doctors? I remember when I was in college, one of the pre-med students told me there's like so many seats in med school every year. It's not like there is. It's not like you can go like mechanics or being a, even an attorney. You can have because there's no limit how many attorneys you can have in any given graduation year. <laughs> but there's only so yeah. many seats. So many doctors are going to be uh, given a chance to become a doctor. Are going to graduate that exam and be uh, certified as a doctor every year. Do we have a shortage of doctors now? You know. It's even worse than you think. It's not even just a shortage of doctors, but we don't even have a sh- we don't even have enough people that are geriatric trained. We don't wow. even have enough people to take care of people that will be on Medicare in the next few years. So we are grossly outgrowing the population of people on Medicare with an ongoing shortage of doctors. If you had a shortage of doctors back in your time, or you talked to your friend. It's still going on, man. Mm. And then we haven't even talked about, you know, 
equity and, and minority doctors. You even talked about health disparities as well. So we're having less and less. But we are seeing some growth in, you know, you know, black doctors and Latino doctors. But overall, as a whole, there is a shortage. And so we have to start taking out ways now because this is just right around the corner. I mean, Medicare is, is doing what it can, but it, it can't solve all the problems. And you'd be surprised how many people on Medicare still can't afford some of those co-pays and deductibles. Um, so we got to change the system. And this is something that we're doing with our focus on value-based care, de-prescribing, and health care cost savings uh, with geriatrics and my, my expertise as a pharmacist. And the thing is, also on top of what you just said, we also have an aging population. So, the the yeah. fastest growing population in the United States is seniors. So as we get yes, more sir. and more seniors on that are living longer, on top of that, that just makes the problem even worse. So this is this, yeah. is, this is this is really as this if I would say if one of the the things that's not being talked about, climate change is a big issue. Nuclear mm-hmm. war is a, is, a, is a concern, but not as much. A bigger concern than nuclear war is an aging population and less medical assistance for people that are getting older. Right. Because there's is there going to sure. be enough doctors when I become uh, a senior. So I mean that's <laughs> that's, that's a serious question, and I'm more, and I'm concerned yeah. about that. I mean, the t- I take what you said to heart because in 2013, believe it or not, I almost died from over from overdose on prescription drugs. I was taking too oh, many heart no. medications, and then I was I was actually okay. losing weight. And taking heart medication, and my blood pressure dropped to something like forty over twenty. Oh so my I was, god! I was about to check out. So, I, so what you're saying makes a lot of sense. But then, once again, if nobody's monitoring your progress, and you're trying to, and I was trying to do the right thing, I started drinking the fruit smoothies every day, and the weight to start pouring off, and I was still mm-hmm. taking my medication every day like I was supposed to, and almost got me into a casket. So, so how does how does the what does a, a person taking medication need to do? to realize, hey, maybe I'm taking this too long. What are the warning signs of mm-hmm. that they need to know about so they can actually, hey, bring this up to their doctor? Doctor says you need to take this for 16 weeks, but maybe the number is eight weeks. How, did, how, did, how can they tell? Sure. Now, again, my philosophy isn't quite to stop all medications. Mm-hmm. I don't want to put people in harm's way. But it starts with an open conversation. And what I see a lot, especially in my senior population, is that they kind of don't want to rock the boat. They're just kind of like, well, the doctor said it's good, so I'm just going to be on it. And they're cool with it. And you got to get out that mindset. And so particularly if you find a loved one just having some side effects out of the blue or they seem a little more off or out of it, it can manifest in so many different ways. It could be maybe seeing more falls, maybe seeing confusion, maybe you see someone who's just always more dehydrated, you know, maybe they brush their teeth and their gums are bleeding. But these are all little telltale signs. So you don't want to just sweep it under the rug, but you want to have an open discussion about, hey, you got to get sensitive with your body, one. But really, this is where caregivers play such a big role because they're the ones who are usually, you know, in the weeds. They're seeing the patient day to day and they could see those changes. But literally in this, particularly in the senior space, any drastic change over some time is something that you want to start discussing with your doctor as a potential medication side effect. And furthermore, you got to just ask. If you're not asking when you're going to your visits or sending messages in your EHR or my chart, whatever, you got to ask, hey, doc, you know, I've been taking these for a while. What do you think about stopping one or two? What, what can we do to consider, 
getting off of certain things? Like, what are your thoughts? And have an open discussion and just say, hey, look, I want to take the healthy road. I want to, you know, have less side effects. And this is actually something that we're teaching caregiver advocates. Uh, we're actually launching, just so you know, for your audience, we're launching a de-prescribing accelerator. So we're going to be teaching people who are facing senior patients who may be nursing home directors, other geriatricians, clinical clinicians, pharmacists, whatever. We're going to teach people how to spot these signs and then know how to advocate in the moment when they have people come to them and they're like, hey, man, I can't even handle taking all 12 of these. What can we do? So we got to just make this a team effort, which I feel we kind of lack in our health system, and not just put it all on the doctor because, honestly, they're overloaded. And then the patients are overloaded because they don't even know where to turn when it comes to medications. Mm. You may talk to your pharmacist, you know, in retail, but again, that's like a quick two to three minute convo and you don't always have the time to sit down and get all your questions addressed. So where can people give us the information where people can get more information about what you're doing and also how to get involved with your organization or find more information about what you're talking about. What's your website? Give us all the social media contacts, everything you got. Yeah, so the company is at Geriatrics. That's our handle. It's G-E-R-I-A-T-R-X, like a pharmacist symbol, rx.org. And we have tons of free content online. You can follow us at Geriatrics or Geriatrics, Inc. on Facebook. But we are just at Geriatrics on Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter as well. And we, we give tons of content, and we talk about this deep prescribing accelerator. It's a new pilot. It's something that's really passionate to me, uh, particularly with my grandmother who was given a prescription and was over-medicated, and it caused her dementia to completely spiral out of control. And it wasn't until four months of, of suffering that a pharmacist stood up and found that she was on something that was completely harmful for her. So she's the inspiration of why I started this, and she's why I'm a geriatric pharmacist as well. So I'm giving people the tools to work to learn how to advocate and how to implement in real time with our de-prescribing accelerator course. That's, that's well and you done. can find all that on social media as well, on Facebook and Instagram and, and LinkedIn. Okay. And one thing people don't realize also is that the, the, when you see a doctor who's maybe a general practitioner and even an internal medicine person, a internist or something like that, one thing you have to mm-hmm. realize is that they're not always, even though they prescribe medication, they're not experts. They're not biochemists per se. They're, they're medical doctors. They don't understand necessarily all the ins and outs, the details of every single medication that they're prescribing as well as a pharmacist does. That's their, that's their specialty. Right. Their specialty is right. doing something else, you know, seeing what your cough is about, things like that. So they might not be right. as well versed as some other uh, people that specialize in giving prescribing medicine. Um, so you have to ask these questions and kind of dig deep and understand, like, what it is that you're putting inside your body. On that note mm-hmm. as well, we have, there's also a huge industry in natural medicine, you know, homeopathic therapy, and people are taking all kinds of, you know, herbal grass, weed, this, mushroom stuff, ginger root all kinds of stuff, whatever, that these, all these things, these natural remedies that people are taking, how much of a threat or is it a threat 
the, are the people who take these things sometimes as even an alternative to uh, a medicine. A doctor might say, oh, you need to, I'm going to prescribe you this. But I say, well, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to take you know, this thing and so on on this infomercial late at night that says it will cure my, my you know, HIV yeah. or whatever. So, so, yeah. so how, how much of a danger and is that a real risk? Is that a real thing? Uh, yes. Um, we, as pharmacists particularly, are trained to identify drug interactions with herbal products, natural supplements, uh, with other medications and food. And so we are trained to spot those things, but we're also trained to realize that there are a lot of drug interactions out there over the counter. So it's a real problem. And so this is not to poo-poo on the field of natural medicine and holistic health. I think there are tenets of it that are super important and we need to incorporate them. The problem is, in this country especially, a lot of the products that are over the counter are not regulated by the FDA. And so even though you read a label and it says, hey, you're getting 500 milligrams of cinnamon, you may not even get that. They don't have any real reason or incentive to tell you the truth, and they don't. In -hmm. fact, they have multiple studies that test them, and they have tons of products in them that aren't even – that aren't even legal. Like they're actual prescription drugs in some of these natural products. Wow. So they're they're contaminants. And so it's not, again, to bash it, mm-hmm. but you have to be cognizant of what you're taking. And then the problem I find is that because it says natural, people just think it's fake. It's like, well, it's, it's fine. It's from the earth. It's cool. I had a patient who was taking cinnamon extract to help with, you know, weight loss, metabolism, diabetes. Um, but we ended up finding out that the extract she was taking was causing heartburn. And she was taking that cinnamon extract for five years. So tell me why she went to the doctor for almost three years with heartburn, and no one could find out why she had heartburn. No one knew why she was suffering. And so guess what happened? They ended up prescribing her uh, a prescription, uh, ranitidine, then she took it twice a day. Didn't work. They ended up going up, and then they gave her uh, pantoprazole, another stronger stomach heart uh, acid reducer. They gave her that uh, twice a day, like super high doses, right? Mm. She failed that. And it wasn't until she finally came to us and said, hey, I don't know what's going on, but I've been having this issue. I was like, oh, it's this. And with one medication review, we were able to show how much money she has lost over the past three to four years from wow. something that's completely preventable. Wow. And no one, no one identified that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's the importance of not everything natural is safe. And if you are buying something over the counter and you want to go that route, just make sure you talk to a health professional or pharmacist, you know, to screen for any drug interactions and make sure anything else you're taking doesn't, doesn't, you know, conflict with it. Because guess what? A lot of over-the-counter medications do have interactions with food and prescriptions. Right. My mom would be listening right now and saying, I'm not taking anything over-the-counter. All I'm doing is taking, you know, vitamin C and D3100 and the new thing I saw in Herbalife. <laughs> They're not considering, <laughs> considering those over-the-counter medications, but those are over-the-counter uh, drugs you're putting into your body. It's because you got it in the aisle versus over, you know, over-the-counter doesn't mean right. over, the prescri- over the pharmacist counter. Over-the-counter means you got it somewhere in a healthcare place or whether it's CVS or Walgreens, all those things fall in that same category. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's actually one of the biggest 
problems I find in med reviews is that people don't talk about the herbals, the vitamins, et cetera. And if you don't talk about them, we're not going to know if there's an interaction. There are so many inter- antibiotics that have interactions with vitamin supplements. Wow. And people don't realize that. There are certain times you got to time your, your heart, uh, your heartburn medication with some of those antibiotics and other meds. So that, that's the beauty of having your own personal pharmacist. And that's why I'm so passionate about getting people aware and then advocating for those patients and caregivers who, who just don't know if it's really the meds or not. Well, Dr. Canterbury, I appreciate your time and also the work that you're doing. We got to have you on the show. We can talk for hours about a lot of stuff that we touched on. We just, we just scratched the surface yeah. of what you're working on. But thank you very much for your time and wish you well. Yeah, thank you so much, man. Enjoy your weekend. You too. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.